President Trump is in India right now, and Indian businesses are dying to get him to import more Indian H-1B graduates here to the U.S. in return for U.S. exports. Uh, yeah, I don't think so. How about we don't, all right? How about not? Now, if you're one of the million Americans who has been displaced by an Indian contract worker, well, you completely understand why this would be an awful idea for American workers. You wanna know who it would be great for? It would be great for Indian workers, which is why the president is over there to represent our interests, not their businesses' interests. Plus, Hollywood, they are celebrating the Harvey Slimestein verdict, but aren't you guys in Hollywood Aren't you guys the ones who created that monster? Don't sit here and try to act like this is some giant victory for you and that you can, you can just pretend it didn't happen by, by going to the Oscars and pretending to be woke and to be, pretending to be discriminated against. And we'll just pretend that the fact that you gave cover to a rapist for years, we'll just pretend we're gonna let that all suddenly dissipate into the night. No, it's not gonna work that way. Sorry, Hollywood. And finally, Pete Buttigieg. I mean, this guy, is, this guy is as phony as a $3 bill. And now he's resorted to stealing from Obama, the former phony-in-chief, to make Buttigieg more likable. No, again, something that's also not going to work with us. Not going to work with me. John Miller here. White House Brief begins now. So the president is making his first trip to India as president, and it has the media all in a rut because their instinct is to try to find, well, how can we spin this? How can we make President Trump look bad? They want to spin it as a disaster before he's even landed. But first, as always, want to tell you quickly a message from our sponsor, who today is Stamps.com. Now, guess what? Postage rates have gone up, but thankfully, Stamps.com eases the pain with big discounts off post office retail rates. With Stamps.com, you save five cents off of every first class stamp and up to 40% off of shipping rates. That kind of savings really adds up, especially for small businesses. Plus, Stamps.com is completely online, which saves you time and no more inconvenient trips to the post office. Stamps.com brings all of the services of the U.S. Post Service right to your computer at home or your office. So whether you're a small office sending invoices, an online seller shipping out a product, or even a warehouse sending thousands of packages a day, stamps.com can handle it all with ease. You simply use your computer to print official U.S. postage 24-7 for any letter, any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to send it. And once your mail is ready, you just hand it to your mail carrier or drop it in a mailbox. It is that simple. It's a no-brainer saving you time and money. So it's no wonder over 700,000 small businesses already use stamps.com. And right now, my listeners get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale without any long-term commitment. Just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in WHB. That is stamps.com. Use the code WHB. Stamps.com. So the loss of American jobs to Indian workers is a huge issue, has been for years, that has put at least a million Americans out of work. So Trump has got an opportunity in India to improve that, as well as improve trade, which he, I believe he's trying to do. And if he does that, well, surely the media is going to completely ignore it. Because what instead is the media focused on? 
What is the president going to eat? Uh, Modi is a noted vegetarian. He promotes vegetarianism uh, every chance he gets. Of course, uh, the president is known for his love of hamburgers and steak. Cows, sacred here in India. They're not served. That's not going to be on the menu. Uh, so that's going to be a question, whether the president is willing to try some local delicacies uh, during the state dinner or whether uh, you, you know the Secret Service and White House officials have imported uh, some of his own favorite meals uh, back from the White House. Oh, yes, that is the real question. Yes, that is the that is the real question here. Will he partake in the the delicacies or is he going to chow down on that rot from what is that place? What is that place with the uh, with the golden arches? No, uh, uh, Macadonaldus. I mean, they can't help but take snipes at all of the petty stuff. Like, like which Taj Mahal is the president going to be visiting? Because I do recall, as you might as well, that there was a uh, there was another Taj Mahal posing for a photo outside the Taj Mahal. As some people noted, the one he didn't bankrupt. Yes, it's hard to believe it's been 30 years since Donald Trump opened his spectacularly failed Atlantic City Casino with a little help from some famous friends. <laughs> oh, that's the one he didn't bankrupt. <laughs> Aren't we clever here at MSNBC? No, you're morons. I mean, never mind that the, the 90s Taj Mahal story, completely unrelated story that happened in the year 1990, and we all know about it already. No, we need another distraction from Trump's successful trip to India. That's why the Daily Beast can't help but make snarky headlines like this. Trump speaks to massive Indian crowd, mispronounces almost everything. Uh, yeah, because this is their M.O. They're going to do anything to get our minds off of an issue that's been happening in India that is an actual issue, like the fact that CEOs and India want to trade Indian H-1B graduates Workers want to ship them here, displacing American workers, and then in return, we send them oil, food, weapons, and technology. And in fact, the government of India has repeatedly suggested it will cut our exports to them, like oil and gas, and restrict U.S. operations in India if the U.S. has the audacity to cut the flow of Indian workers on their visas to the U.S., Neil Monroe, writing at Breitbart News, says business pushes Trump to import Indian H-1B graduates in swap for U.S. exports. So, yeah, that's what they're trying to pull. That's what they're doing. And the Indians hackneyed argument has been expressed by everyone in that country from India's external affairs minister named Subramanyam Jai Shankar. The flow of talent from India uh, to the United States. Uh, should uh, not be obstructed. Two big Indian business, a woman named Deb Johnny Gosh, who is the president of the National Association of Software and Services Companies in India, has asked Prime Minister Narendra Modi of India to challenge the president over his crackdown on H-1B visas, claiming, oh, well, we're at a loss trying to figure out why we're seeing the kind of discrimination when this is actually benefiting the U.S. Oh, it's benefiting us? It's benefiting us? Oh, is it, lady? And you speak of crackdown. First of all, what crackdown? There has been very little that has actually been done to curb big corporations hiring Indians instead of Americans. But really, you would call displacing at least a million U.S. jobs, oh, that's a benefit for us? That's supposed to be a benefit for us and our people? Or no, are you just selling us a bill of goods to benefit India? 
A recent release from the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services show U.S. employers have converted 451,000 Indian temporary workers into permanent U.S.-based workers by simply nominating them for green cards in the last 10 years. The release, Monroe at Breitbart writes, provides the missing piece in a puzzle that shows how at least one million non-immigrant Indians now hold jobs as temporary contract workers in Americans' white-collar workplaces. In fact, the labor force in the U.S. from India is now so large, not only are they replacing our workers, they are replacing our work ethic. According to a number of lawsuits and statements given to Breitbart News, they've replaced U.S. professionalism with Indian-style workplace politics of caste and ethnic alliances, deference to managers, blame-shifting, kickbacks, and hostility to outsiders. So India is looking out for India, just as America should be looking out for America. But the problem here in America is that we've got these big multinational companies like Coca-Cola who are also looking out for America. Nope, for India, if it means they can profit from it. So if you want to help India and you want to help Coca-Cola, who's trying to sell our workers out, then more H-1B workers from India is exactly the solution. But if you care about American jobs, then we don't need Jack from India. Because the fact of the matter is, fact of the matter is, India is just trying to pay for its imports, for which the U.S. is the second largest source after China. And so they want to do so. They want to pay for what they're taking from us by in return giving us their workers, which also helps them because that money then finds its way back into the Indian economy. It doesn't actually help us at all. It screws us. And moreover, it would be a terrible idea because Trump would, in the process, be selling out the middle class here in America for whom he promised to be a champion. Fortunately, fortunately, the president has made no indication that he's going to take the Indians' advice and that he's going to take the H-1B imports for U.S. exports deal. And we hope it stays that way. So Harvey Slimestein going to jail so Hollywood can breathe a collective sigh of relief. They can pat themselves on the back and go back to work knowing everything's going to be better. Right? Right? Wrong! Former Hollywood producer Harvey Weinstein was convicted of rape and sexual assault against two women and led off to prison in handcuffs Monday in what his foes hailed as a landmark moment for the legal system and a long overdue reckoning for the man vilified as the biggest monster of the Me Too era. Wait, 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 wait. But what about, what about all of the actors? What about all the actresses? What about all the producers and the directors? Because everybody, it seems, who knew for years about what was going on and about what this man did and didn't do anything because their pockets were lined with the cash made from Weinstein films. What happens to them? Well, they're at work, making more movies, still lecturing you the evil one, the backwards one, despite the fact that you had nothing to do with this. When Hollywood feels really bad about something, how do they solve it? Well, they make a movie, right? As if that absolves them of their complicity. Look, I made a film to help you explore the guilt I should be feeling, but I'm not because it's, I'm gonna put it on you. It's a reflection on you and society. No, you degenerates. It is a reflection on your covering up for a rapist, all right, 
because you want more money and more scream time and more screen time, I should say. Scream time is what happens after Harvey Weinstein gets to you. So take this new movie, The Assistant, for example. It's out now. You probably haven't heard of it because it's pretty much only playing in, uh, in independent theaters, sophisticated ones, you know, in New York and Los Angeles. Here's part of the trailer. You know, you can always come to us, right? Come to us first, okay? The last two checks don't have a name or anything, just a dollar amount. Uh, ignore it. Okay, and will he know what it's for? Yep, he'll know. I wouldn't sit there. Never sit on the couch. <laughs> here, here, initial here, sign there. Do I need a lawyer or something? Do you have a lawyer? What happened? Where did you go? Um, I was worried for this girl. <laughs> I mean, they were just like laughing about it. Doesn't that look great? Who doesn't want to see that movie? No, it looks like a terrible movie. And that's because it is. Rotten Tomatoes says audiences hate it. They scored the movie at an abysmal 22%, but the critics, the critics, the sophisticated ones, well, they said they gave it a 90%. And then IndieWire calls it an urgent, real-time thriller. Just fascinating. And Rolling Stone says, discrimination by a thousand paper cuts. Oh, it speaks volume. Vanity Fair, eerily effective, a powerful movie. Award circuit, you know, award circuit. Don't you read it every morning with your coffee? Uh, durr. They say riveting. RogerEbert.com calls it a breakthrough. Oh, yeah, it's a breakthrough. Really, this movie's not relevant to anyone but Hollywood egomaniacs. So, of course, they love it. Of course, they fawn over it. They're also celebrating Weinstein's conviction as if they had anything to do with it. No, they were part of the problem. They were part of the cover-up. And yet the conviction is being heralded as a triumph in journalism. You know, they want this to be like a Hollywood film. You know, they want it to wrap up all nice and pretty. Got a neat ending where the bad guys lose and the good guys win. They want all of that. That's not how real life works. Because I've got news for you. Hollywood is still riddled with people like you. In fact, Hollywood is still riddled with terrible people that make millions of dollars a year. And journalism, well, that profession is still broken. It may even be dead. NBC News Network, well, they sat on Ronan Farrow's reporting for years because they didn't want any of their guys and their skeletons in the closet to be released to the public. And ABC, well, they quashed the Jeffrey Epstein story. That's journalism? No, I don't think so. So it does make you wonder, what else is out there that you don't know about? Because the elites are happy to toss around their millions in order to hide real stories and protect each other. Well, we may never find out. We may never know. But I've seen enough to know that these people aren't healed and they sure as hell aren't heroes. You are the evil ones. You are the villains. And in fact, they've ruined it for everyday Americans. They've ruined it for people like you while they get away with acting like sick freaks. They've ruined it for any college student who makes an advance on a woman. Make an advance she doesn't want, like uh, saying hi to a woman at a bar. She doesn't like you. Maybe you offer to buy her a drink, tell her she looks nice, but she doesn't find you attractive enough. Well, that is sexual assault. No joke, that is in a college handbook. Woman doesn't like you approaching her at a bar, sexual assault. You look at somebody funny, 
That's sexual assault. You regret a one-night stand you had. I mean, you probably should, right? But it's not rape. It's not a crime. Bad sex is, in fact, not a crime. And yet people who are actually complicit in covering up actual rape get to get off scot-free. They get to sit in their Malibu mansions, sipping on some booch on the porch, lecturing you on how you need to be more sensitive. No, you people in Hollywood are some of the worst people ever. Take a seat and get over yourselves. You guys are actors. You guys are not gods. You guys play people on a screen for the sake of our entertainment and only a fallen people would take their moral cues from you. Puke Booty Judge is obviously a guy who's suppressing hella rage. I mean, it's no secret. And one of the way he does this is trying to emulate the mannerisms of a, of a smooth politician like Barry, Barack Obama. But now it's not just the mannerisms. He's actually, he's sat in a room and copied certain phrases verbatim to make him look less stabby. Let's watch. The way we when do we every other election by giving it to the person who got the most votes. Just a thought. Brings us because together. Now, I'm surprised he didn't do. Now, let's be clear. You know, my Obama impression, like, you know, a lot of people try to do like the Obama, like, you know, in a small setting, like, let's be clear. Um, I said this. I'm not really good at that impression. I'm just like full out preacher Obama, like hope and change. Yes, we can. We, we, we don't need a lot of scandals. I'm Barack Hussein Obama. I was born here in America. I'm just as American as you. This was the day that the ocean started to change. This is the day that they started to roll back. I'm your Messiah. I'm the savior. But uh, Pete has mastered like sort of the more... Uh, intimate Obama, and he's sat in front of a TV, and he's watched Obama videos. This guy's a creep. I mean, this guy's a full-on psychopath, because it's clear, we're gonna watch a little more, and you'll see how clear it is, that this guy has literally sat, watched Obama's videos, and picked up like certain phrases, and circled them, and said, you know, oh, this is what I'm gonna do. Oh, rewind that tape. Chastin, rewind that. I wanna watch how Obama does that. Watch. Brings us because together. This country, this country was, was built. And it is a movement reaching into church, church basements and barbershops and in our schools, into universities and, and with our kids. Halls. And if the boys we can line up the neighborhoods and we can line up the cities. So he's picked up key phrases like church basements, right? Uh, Obama doesn't know the first thing about a church basement that isn't the pews of Jeremiah Wright's church. And Pete Booty Judge. Um, I mean, he claims he goes to church, all right? He claims he goes to church, probably reads from different texts than most of uh, us do, but he's a, he's a churchgoer, and I don't know if he goes to church in the basement, though. The only kind of basement services I can imagine him going to are after the church shuts down and he breaks in with his club. So uh, he's sat here, and he's tried to master Obamaisms, and he thinks that makes him more likable, and he thinks he makes that more relatable, and he thinks that makes him more smooth and more charismatic, and has that je ne sais soi, or je ne sais quoi, you know, I'm not a French speaker, like Obama. Anyway, Pete Buttigieg isn't a smooth guy. Pete Buttigieg isn't a likable guy. Pete Buttigieg isn't a measured guy. And in fact, all you need to do to confirm that is watch how Pete Buttigieg eats food. And I think we have a tweet that just shows a bunch of different pictures of Pete Buttigieg eating food. And this will show you he's the maniac that we say he is. I mean, that's him eating, I believe, a burger on the left. He looks like he's furious with it. He looks like he's ripping into it like he's Gollum from Lord of the Rings. And then second picture on the top. 
That's Pete Booty Judge eating uh, a cinnamon bun. I know it looks like it's a chicken wing, and from the way he's eating it, you would think it's a chicken wing, because who the hell eats a, eats a cinnamon bun by pinching each corner with your two fingers and bringing it up to your mouth? In fact, most politicians make asses out of themselves by eating, like, you know, hamburger with a fork and knife and pizza with a fork and knife, like uh, John Kasich did. You know, that, that lets you know that that person has the potential to be a serial killer if they eat pizza with a fork and knife. That's not how you eat pizza. The one food that, you know, most people are okay with you eating with a fork and knife is a cinnamon bun because the glaze gets all over your hands. And yet, um, in this instance, Pete Booty Judge decided, no, I'm going to get the glaze all over my hands. I like glaze all over my hands. And so I'm going to pick it up and I'm going to eat it furiously like a madman. Then we've got this picture of Pete Booty Judge. And this one, he doesn't look as mad. In fact, he kind of looks loving eating this pizza. At least he eats it with his hands, like you're supposed to eat pizza. But he kind of looks like he's like looking adoringly into that pizza. Like, oh, I love a pizza. I love my pizza. And, you know, kind of like he looks into the eyes of a, of a lover. Like he looks into the eyes of his husband. Tearing into that pizza, he looks like he's enjoying it. Then here, him, he's eating pork chop on the bottom left. Eating pork chop, again, look at his eyes. And in fact, they've done a close-up of his insane eyes right there in the middle. There's two screens that you can see right there in the middle with Pete Booty Judge's insane eyes. And then there's two pictures of him eating sandwiches. Every single picture, he looks like crazy. Every single picture, he looks like he's an insane person, that he's suppressing rage. And then one day, well, what happens when you suppress a bunch of rage? This is why this guy can't be president. What happens when you suppress a bunch of rage? Well, it's like a soda can, right? You keep, you keep it all bottled up, you keep it all in there, and then one day, what happens? Well, it explodes. We don't need someone in the Oval Office who has the potential to just explode everywhere. And that's Booty Judge. Let's continue watching this video where he tries to be Obama. As a beacon, As a beacon around the world, world once more. Uh, and this, this is, is our, our chance, chance to, to answer that call. Creepy. Really creepy. He just figures out what are the key phrases that Obama used, and I'm going to use that to make me seem measured. This is what psychopaths do. All right, most people, when they're giving a speech, they don't think about what key phrases am I going to use from another politician I admire and that, the mayor, that won the presidency and use them going forward. And no one internalizes them that way. This is calculation. This is a politician's mindset. This is why when people ask me, John Miller, are you going to run for office? You really should run for office. I'm like, I don't want to be a politician. I don't want to sit there and watch Obama videos. I don't want to sit there and watch anyone's videos and, and copy words and phrases that I think are going to resonate with the American people. I want to do things from here. I want to be authentic. I want to be able to sell my message without having to rely on other people to teach me how to do it. These, of course, aren't substantive things. I certainly agree with getting wisdom and knowledge from people who are wiser, who are older than you, and using that to incorporate into your own worldview. Of course you do that. But to just pick up cheap phrases like church basements and, and uh, here's the thing, or whatever they were saying, is fake, is phony, and it's why America has lost their faith in their politicians, and in fact, that is exactly why Trump got elected, because he wasn't that. He was himself, and now in this era, I think it is more important for you to be yourself and not some phony cardboard cutout or carbon copy of a politician just for the sake of getting votes and not being the insane madman that you are. You owe it to the American people, Pete Booty Judge, to let the American people know exactly how insane you actually are.
Hey guys, thank you for listening to the White House Brief Podcast. If you haven't already, remember to subscribe to the podcast. Please rate it. And if you feel like doing it, please leave a review. It really helps us out. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.